The Connecticut Music Oral History Podcast is a deep dive interview series with musicians, artists, conduits, collectors, and dedicated fans, focusing on 20th century Connecticut music history. This project preserves narratives, heralds unsung movers and shakers, and defines Connecticut's influential role in cultural history. I'm your host, Brendan Toller. I'm an artist, a musician, a filmmaker, and marketing manager of the incredible Verso Studios at the Westport Library, where this very podcast is being produced. Verso Studios is a media resource and production hub, serving as an inclusive, empowered, future-forward cultural and learning center. A library branch of the 21st century, Verso Studios provides programming, commercial services, as well as educational and content creation opportunities. We have a state-of-the-art hybrid analog recording studio designed in part by Rob Froboni, the same guy who built Keith Richards' home studio down the road. We record bands, artists, audiobooks, podcasts, and everything in between. We have video production suites, classes, and events. Check us out at the Verso Studios website and on social media. Hello, everyone. This episode features Karen Ponzio, arts and culture journalist for the New Haven Independent. Karen has shared her poems, displayed her artwork, and has hosted a variety of live shows at venues throughout the New Haven area over the past 10 years, as well as the CygnusRadio.com show, The Word According to KP, which featured both poetry and music. Here's our conversation. What was your first musical memory? Ooh. <laughs> Honestly, um, like Sesame Street and like singing along and dancing along to every single, I watched Sesame Street like three times a day when I was a kid and anything that was on like there that you could do with that. I sang along with, I loved it. Do you remember the songs? I had, I actually had the Sesame Street album. So like the ABC song and yeah, yeah. All of those phenomena and all that kind of stuff that probably a lot of people know that are kind of iconic like the original because yeah it was the original i was born in 1967 and i think that's the same year sesame street started so i think i list i think i watched it and listened to it from like pretty much birth and i just yeah was there music in the house Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, My father was a huge um, music fan, uh, loved Frank Sinatra more than anything. Um, I probably have like about 20, 20 something record, 20 something albums of Frank Sinatra's uh, Frank Sinatra albums that were my father's. I still have. Um, And he always listened to he always sang along with the radio um, he just sang on his own, you know, and it was like, you know, like Ray Charles and Dean Martin and, you know, like the, the standards. He was like, you know, like a 40s, 50s kind of guy. Um, and then, you know, watching all the <laughs> watching like all those movies, like all the Frank Sinatra movie musicals, uh, Gene Kelly, that type of thing. So a lot of that stuff was was the music um, that I grew up with, with my parents. And then would have been radio, 45s, records, cassettes? What? Um, we always had the radio on in the car, that's for sure. Um, they had albums. I don't remember getting, well, cassettes and eight tracks as we started to get older. But we always had albums, records, 45s. Um, I still have my little case of 45s from when I was younger. Um, I remember... Like the most, I actually found um, 
we used to go to Caldor's. Caldor's department store used to have in, in the record section, you could go in and they would have like a top 40 list. And I like lived for that, like grabbing one of those lists and like circling the songs that I would like hear on the radio or the, the, the 45s that I wanted and the 45s that I had. And I was like very meticulous about keeping track of things like that. It was very... You know, because then, it, then you know, as I got older, I got into like, you know, American Bandstand and watching like the Monkees and um, Soul Train and, you know, anything, anything I could see that had music in it. Um, I think I was talking about this recently to somebody of like, you know, how you didn't see somebody playing live. Um, you would see them on American Bandstand, which usually wasn't live. But, you know, or you would see um, them on, on the talk shows, which were like Mike Douglas and Dinah Shore and Merv Griffin. Um, or you would see people, uh, was it Midnight Special? Yeah, yeah, Midnight Special. So it was like those types of shows. So if you saw somebody, it would be like the most exciting thing to see somebody like performing a song that you heard on the radio or you had the record of. Um, even the uh, like the um, Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve. Oh, my God, that was like the... You know, to stay up for that was like the biggest, you know, the biggest deal in the world. Like you're staying up to see even the commercials. It was like the the um, the Dr. Pepper commercials <laughs> with the oh, I can't think of his name now. Was it David Naughton? Yeah. Who also had the record making it, which I also have and I had and I still have. And he did the Dr. Pepper commercials. And that was a big deal because he was singing and dancing in that. So, yeah, it was any anything. You know, I started young and anything, Sonny and Cher, uh, the Cher, just Cher, Donnie and Marie, anything, anything. I was... Yeah, who were some formative artists for you? I would, <laughs> I would honestly say, like, Cher. I loved Cher. I wanted to be Cher so bad. Oh, my God. I could, would have done anything to have, like, her long hair and her outfits and, you know, and then, and then... Thinking about it, you know, and really didn't think about it then, but thinking about it now, like now, of course, you can go online and see clips of all those shows. Um, and the people that she performed with, you know what I mean? Like she performed with Tina Turner and she performed like with she performed with every, you know, Michael Jackson, the Jackson Five. She performed with everybody. So, again, it was an opportunity to see these people that you wouldn't, you know, you're not going to go to a show and see them. You know, they're not coming around. It's not like now where, you know, you can go pretty much go see anybody you want or click and click and find somebody playing live or a video of somebody playing live, I should say. Um, so, yeah, anything like that. But definitely I would say Cher was a big one. Where did you grow up? <laughs> um, I, I was born and raised in East Haven, Connecticut. And uh, so pretty much I really didn't go anywhere but like East Haven, New Haven, and like wherever my relatives lived, which were all like around there, so like New Morris Cove and Orange and Milford and yeah, North Branford. I was very provincial. Still was um, <laughs> New Haven Coliseum kind of? Oh yeah, big for you. Oh you see yeah, there? my first concert at the New Haven Coliseum was Kiss with their makeup on. So yes, back in fourth grade. Which would be like seventy seven, seventy eight. Who took you to that? My sister and her boyfriend, who is now her husband, and my 
brother made a poster for me. That's when you could, if you made the posters and held up the posters and, and the radio station, I think it was 13 Waves, um, AM would, you know, if you had the poster, you'd pick your poster and you'd win a prize. And my brother was really good at art and he drew, he, he you know, made a poster for me to hold up. And I'm trying to think of who, I think the band that opened for them was called The Rockets. I think that's who it was. But it was the whole thing with the blood and the fire. And oh my God, I was, yeah, <clears throat> that was the start. That was the start. And um, I did not go to as many concerts as I wanted to go to there, but I saw a healthy amount of um, who was popular then. So I got to see like Andy Gibb. I got to see Sean Cassidy. I got to see the Bee Gees and the Spirits Having Flown tour, which was amazing. No matter what anyone says, it was amazing. Um, yeah, uh, I saw, oh God, Joan Jett there, Hall and Oates. I saw Aldo Nova, Joan Jett, and Hall and Oates. That was the lineup for one of the shows there. Crazy. You caught some good ones. Oh, um, yeah. Did you ever try to sing or, or play anything? Do you ever try and be a musician? <clears throat> yes. Yes, and it did not work out well. I think be because I was afraid of everything. So I would somebody. Um, I think I got a an acoustic guitar for a birthday. Um, I want to say it was either right before middle school or middle school age, and I would try to do something with it, and they would laugh or somebody would laugh, and and I would just say I can't do that, and I didn't. Um, I wasn't one of those kids who was persistent with like get me lessons, help me, help me with this kind of thing. Um, I sang like in school and like on my own, like I was one of those kids who sat there near the radio with her fingers on the cassette, waiting for the song to start and stop to make like mixtape recording things and sang along and was like memorized the lyrics on um, albums and in a, what was a hit parade magazine that had the lyrics. Um, but I didn't have the confidence or the uh, the strength, I guess maybe the strength, I don't know, to be like, you know, I want to do this. It was just like a thing I did. And, and I'm not going to be one of those people who like blames my parents or blames anybody for like not encouraging me or anything like that, because I think that's not really, you know, that's, that's that kind of endeavor doesn't interest me. Um, but yeah, it was like I, it, my my dream in my head, I was like in my head, in my bedroom, you know, I was like a superstar. You know what I mean? I could sing, I could dance, I could do all of these things, but I was like afraid to do that in front of anybody. You've done a little bit of that since though. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't play any instruments, but, um, yeah, I don't play any instruments per se but I uh but oh yeah I've had opportunities to sing and um, I've definitely had time in front of the microphone um that has changed a lot that changed a lot once I got up there as a um almost 50 year old and started reading poetry and doing things like that I couldn't stop it became like very uh became a very important part of my life so yeah, that, that changed. That really, I did a 180, I guess, from childhood to um, adulthood, uh, later adulthood, not right away. Well, and to get conceptual for a second, I mean, one of the big reasons I wanted to interview you is because I think it's important for people to hear 
the trajectory of of somebody who's clearly into music but might not be a player. So talk about that, I guess, kind of philosophically, right? Like a scene takes many things. It takes not just musicians. It takes uh, fans. It mm. takes writers. It takes photographers, video people. Mm. It takes takes a whole takes a whole scene that's why they call it that <laughs> yeah so i mean i started the way i got into the new haven music scene was just by being a fan by being somebody who showed up at shows so um i started going down so i used to go to new haven when i was like in in high school and college and everything like that and then i just stopped going and my life didn't wasn't doing that. My husband did not like going to clubs and he didn't like loud music. He didn't drink. He didn't want to really want to do that. And, you know, and I started, I'm, I'm a physical therapist. That's what I went to school for, um, to college for Quinnipiac. And I was doing that and doing my thing. And I just, you know, I had my kids and I still went to concerts and I still listened to music and paid attention to music, but it, it wasn't, um, you know, I did, I wasn't in the scene by any stretch of the imagination. Um, when my kids got older and I exactly what happened is I, we started going out to dinner in New Haven and we started, I started doing a little more out in New Haven and I saw a flyer up for a show at this place called, um, old school, uh, saloon bistro. And, um, it was, uh, it was bands and burlesque. And I went to that and we had been there for dinner before. And I said to my husband, I'm like, let's go to this. And he's like, Oh, okay. And I went, and the band there, uh, one of the bands there was the North Shore Troubadours. And they were passing around flyers saying that they were having an album release party at Cafe Nine a week or two later. And I'd never been to Cafe Nine. And I said to my husband, oh, my God, I want to go there so bad. Would you go? Like, and he was like, yeah, they're great. This band's great. Let's go. And we showed up there and they were all excited to see us that we followed you know, them there. Tim Goslin, who's one of my <laughs> great friends now. That was his band. Um, and uh, and we're there at Cafe Nine, and I was so excited to be there. And when we left, my husband's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's not for me. And, and, I'm like, and I'm like, oh, my God, I loved it. And then I'm like, and I could see all the things I had coming up. It was kind of when I just, I think I'd just gotten on Facebook or something like that. So then I followed them, and I'm seeing all these things, and I'm like, oh, I want to go to this. I want to go to this. I want to go to that. And... Um, I'm like, do you care if I like go alone? And he's like, no, go alone. I just don't. It's too loud. I don't, you know, he, he works or gets up early. He doesn't want to stay out late that, that often. Um, and that's what started it. And I started going there and I started, I got to be friends with Sarah Scranton who worked there and um, she was doing burlesque shows and we went to them and then she asked me to stage kitten for them. And I did that. And then I started going to get to the point, which was a, uh, you know, like kind of an open mic type of storytelling thing. And I started getting back into writing and poetry from grad school. And I'm like, okay, maybe I can do this. And then I got up on stage and then it just kept going. And so I just started going to participating, but then just also going to shows. And I was taking pictures and taking video and doing live Facebooks. And I was just having so much fun. I, I always... <laughs> I always call it second puberty because I feel like I did all these things that I did not do at the time when most people do them. 
yeah, so I start, I just was going, and I just started meeting people, and I just started talking to people, and I just started going to other places, like, um, like the outer space, and it just, all different places, but mo- but mostly I was at Cafe Nine, um, and then I started perform like going to open mics and performing regularly. There was a show called Words and Music that Margaret Milano started there at Cafe Nine, and I was performing at that, and I ended up hosting it. And then people were asking me to host some different things, and I, j- I just you know. I would go to another show and meet more people. I just, you know, I would be there on a Sunday and I, these people would be there. I'm like, oh my God, you're so great. Oh, who are you? You know, some people, I got to the point where people were like, do I know you from like, from like the daily? Do I know you from this? And I'm like, no, I was never, I just started like, no, you don't know me from 10 years ago. I'm new. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I had a lot of friends and then, and I was, made a lot of friends and saw a lot of bands and was having just the time of my life. And, uh, I quit my physical therapy job. Um, I'd been at the same place for 25 years and I just had kind of had it. And the funny thing is <laughs> I always, I, I like to remember this story too. So Frank Critelli, who we all know and love in, in the scene, former um, guest on this y- very podcast. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I was going to see him perform at uh, at Neverending Books, and I told my friend Craig, Craig Gilbert, also important in the music scene in in New Haven. Um, I'm like, oh, I'm going to see Frank Rotelli tonight. He's like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna love him. You're gonna love Frank, old friend of mine. You're gonna love him. And then when when the next day or something, he's I'm like, he's like, what do you think of Frank? And I said, I want to quit my job. And follow Frank Critelli around and learn about life. And the weirdest thing that happened is that, like a year later, I quit my job. And then I ended up, you know, reporting for the indie and following, following musicians around. And then I, you know, got the radio. Frank asked me to do the radio show at CygnusRadio.com. So it, it like we- weirdly came true. That like thing that I kind of said jokingly. You manifested it. I guess I did, but yeah, so, and I got, and that's, that was the thing. Somebody would see me do something or, and say like, hey, do you want to do this? And I said, yeah, I pretty much said yes to almost everything. So Brian Slattery asked me if I ever thought about writing for The Independent. And I was like, no. And he was like, well, would you want to? And I'm like, could I? And he's like, of course you can. You're doing like 50% of the job already. And I, you know. This is, and and talk about manifesting. So sitting in my, you know, in my bedroom as a teenager and reading all these magazines and reading the, the, um, you know, when I was on the, um, the panel at Verso Fest and talking about, you know, I just like just read those liner notes and read those lyrics, like just memorized them. And the thought of like, you know, read every Rolling Stone I could get my hand on, you know, with the, when the New Haven Advocate which is hysterical too, because now that's, <laughs> those are all the people that I'm friends with and who I work for, you know? And the thought that I would, when people say like your dream job, I'm doing my dream job. I got offered my dream job and I said yes to it because at this point, let's see. So 2016 is when I left my PT job and the end of that year is when Brian asked me to write for the indie. I was, t- I was 40 nine years old and I'm like no one is going to 
you know, how many, no one's going to ask a 50 year old woman with no experience to write about music and, you know, pay them money to do it. Like no one's going to do that, but somebody did. So I had to say, yes, like, this is my dream. This is going to, and if I was bad at it, they probably would have, I would think they would have told me. So they, I, I must've been good at it cause they kept me doing it. And I still do it and I do it, you know, with enthusiasm and love and yeah, that's my, <laughs> that's my story. Um, backing up a bit, describe the New Haven music scene to somebody who has no clue. Ooh, let me think about that one for a second. I don't have a lot to compare it to because again, I'm provincial. Like this is, I don't travel around a lot, but what I would say about the New Haven scene is that, um, you're going to find, you're going to find pretty much any type of music you like there. And you're going to hear people playing it and saying like, these are like people from around here. This isn't like, like that reaction I've gotten from people like playing a CD for somebody and saying like that, that's a band, you know, like, that's not like, just like, that's not like a, or they'll say something like, you know, I'm putting air quotes up here, guys, you know, a real band. And I'll be like, they're a real band. They're a real band from New Haven. You know, that's, you know, you could hear those, those, that music on the radio. Like you're going to find such a mixture. It's such a great mixture of sounds and personalities. Um, people who are so committed to what they do. Um, people who have been doing it for, you know, for, you know, 50 years and people who have been doing it for five years. And there's just this, there's just this dedication to the music and, um, that, that always has always impressed me. Again, I don't have anything to compare it to except popular music, which again, even that I don't have experience in, in the scene of popular music, but listening to, you know, what's on the radio or, you know, Spotify or YouTube or what or you know, whatever. Um, but I think that I would tell people like, you know, this, you're going to hear, you're going to find something you, you like, you're probably going to find something you love and you're going to be surprised by it. You're going to say like, this could be on the radio or this could be in a movie. Um, the cow, you know, the caliber of it and fun. I think it's really fun. You know, like I don't think I would have stayed with it if it wasn't fun, you know, and, and, and I think that's, that could be surprising to people as well, but you, but you have to, you have, you know, got to show up. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta come down there and listen to it or stop by one of these places and check it out. Um, but yeah, I think everybody I know who's ever, um, has checked something out who had him before is always pleasantly surprised. Um, I'll ask you about your favorite writers, but first I want to ask about, do you have any writers that you look to in terms of kind of craft? Hmm. In terms for, of what you do for my music know? writing, yeah, for yeah. my music culture writing. Um, you know, I grew uh, say I grew up on, even though I was I was an adult when I was reading it. But really, um, reading the New Haven Advocate, and again, that was Paul Bass. Um, that was you know Craig Gilbert, who's one of my best friends. Um, Colleen Von Tassel. There's uh, 
God, Carol, um, Chris Arnott. Uh, these are writers, you know, and then uh, Todd Lyon, who, you know, her writing and Fran Fried. So these, these again, are people that I read. I, I, I say growing up, but I'm going to say I, I, I was an adult. I was in my 20s and stuff when I, I wasn't like a little kid when I, when I read them. But that writing really got me excited because I always felt like it was, it was, um, it also was fun. Like I, I couldn't wait to see, to see, you know, um, Fran's next piece in the register. I couldn't wait to see Todd's next restaurant review. I couldn't wait to see, you know, where Craig, what show Craig had seen and uh, Chris Arnott had seen. And now these are all the people that I either work with or I'm friends with. And I still, their writing still is important to me. That writing is, is I think, um, the local, maybe I'm biased, but the local writing, you know, Brian, you know, Brian's the one who guided me to, through this. I did not do anything like this before. So he was like, this is what you do. I know you have the chops to do this. I read your writing, but this is what you do. So I followed the format and I did it. And I, but he allowed me to, to put my voice into it. And I think that's, why those writers um, are the ones that I think about when I when I started doing the writing that I still think about when I write because I feel like their voices are very clear and their love for it and their humor um, is very clear to me and that's something that that's what I want in my head as opposed to somebody who's like you know necessarily like a you know, Pulitzer Prize winner or something something like that and I'm not saying those people aren't important but that's I feel like I was more raised on the music writing of local music writers than necessarily national ones hmm. and now I'll ask you what your favorite writers are poetry uh you know fiction nonfiction, otherwise whoever comes to mind yeah so I'm a big poetry person I'm a poet and which which you know um and so Walt Whitman has inspired me from, you know, I'm, I'm old school with that stuff. Like Emily Dickinson and, and Walt Whitman are the ones who I was, who captured me. Um, you know, Walt Whitman more for the, the epic ongoing, you know, I always feel like Frank Critelli is our Walt Whitman in the scene. I really do. Um, and Emily Dickinson for like those brief glimpses of beauty. So each one of them, has something that they do and, you know, looking at the world and such unique ways to look at the world, um, which is what I, what I love about any writer that I, that I love. It's usually because they, they, um, it isn't so much, I think technique as much as it's again, the voice and how they kept their vision of the world and how they make me look at the world. So somebody like Mary Oliver, as I got older, Mary Oliver, who a lot of people are like, oh, Mary Oliver, you know, she's on cards and notebooks and all this stuff. And it's like, no, Mary Oliver is like, you know, you, how anyone can look at anything out in nature and anything in the world, you know, again, the same after reading something Mary Oliver wrote about it is just, I don't understand that. Like she just has, has a way of capturing nature and the world. Um, and then, uh, I'm a huge James Joyce fan, like huge James Joyce. And I, and fortunately in this, in this, um, part of my career with doing this, I've been able to participate in, um, a Finnegan's Wake project. I was able to, to, um, do a song 
spoken piece that's in the Finnegan's Wake project that was uh, people from all over the world did, um, which was like just one of the great joys of my life to be able to be involved in something like that. I've I've done like a, a Ulysses show with other um, people in the in in the New Haven scene at Best Video. Uh, we did a Finnegan's Wake. We did a the four of us that were involved in the project from the scene did a show like last year for like the 50th anniversary of it at um, volume two, never ending books there. Um, and anything like Finnegan's wake Ulysses Joyce to me is just like the, the beginning and the end with that stuff, like experimental and, you know, these, these epic pieces of literature that just, you can go back to and discover something new every single time you read them. So, uh, yeah, big, uh, big influence, big part of like my, my heart and my head is James Joyce. Um, at its best, what do you think arts reporting does? At its best, it gets people excited about that particular, about the arts, about that particular thing you're writing about. So I'll, I'll, I've I've said this before, so it's not like I'm leaking like a secret here, but Brian, when I started doing the job, Brian said to me, you have, you know, you have like one job, just like, you know, make people want to come to New Haven. And, um, I think I've done that, you know, I'm not saying I've done that alone, but I think I know for a fact that there's people who are like, oh my God, I wish I was at that show. When they, they, I read your article, I wish I was at that show or, oh, I read, you know, I, I, I never heard of that band before. And then like, I watched the video and like, wow, they're like, they're really good. And I'm like, yeah, they are. They are. Yeah, definitely. Wouldn't be writing about them if they weren't, Um, you know, and we tend to not be, so there's that thing about like, you know, like arts journalism, arts criticism. Um, You know, now that I've been in it for a while, I've, I've taught, I've taught a journalism class that was, you know, obviously focused on arts journalism because that's what I do. Um, So there is the act of reporting what happened which I think is more straightforward journalism, but you can do that in arts as, in the arts as well. So, um, for example, I reported on a big fat combo show from at best video the other night and some things happened there. It was a fantastic story. And really I was telling people what happened. What happened? <laughs> the microphone stopped working four songs in, so they were playing their instruments, but they could not, no one could hear the vocals and it ended up being where um, Tom Hearn led a sing along and he got other, other people in the audience because they have such great friends and talented friends because we have, we have such a great music community. They got um, three of them got up and sang. And then uh, another great person in the music community, Dean Falcone went home and got his PA and hooked it up and then they were able to continue the show. And so it's a fantastic story but it's a fantastic story the way it happened. And, and, and that's not me knocking myself as a, as a writer. That's me saying that part of that is being there on the scene and being able to take the video pictures and write down and report what happened. You mentioned, uh, sort of the tradition of arts criticism. Um, I would think that there's a conscious decision uh, with the indie staff, you guys don't really, um, I don't think you are critical or, or negative. And I kind of think, you know what, New Haven's such a small scene. 
we don't need that kind of stuff. We need coverage. Yeah, so this is something that I've dealt with from the beginning. Now, remember, I, I, I start, I'm somebody who's just out there all the time going to shows and, and doing my poetry and my thing, and now all of a sudden I'm out there writing about it. So a lot of people were like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm writing for the indie, and they're like, why are you writing for the indie? And I'm like, so there were people who actually said that to me, like, why are you writing for the indie? There were a couple of guys who said to me, oh, you're writing for the indie? Pff, I could do that. I should go call them and see if I could do that. And it was like, oh, okay. Anyway, um, so there was, you know, 90% of the time people are lovely to me, you know, were lovely to me in the beginning. Every so often I got that kind of like, you're writing for the indie kind of thing. The only reason I bring that up is because it almost always would be followed with, oh, you should like really just rip a band apart. And I would get that. I would get, I don't get it now, but I would get that a lot in the beginning. You guys just need to like, really just like go and be like, like really just, just rip them. And I was like, and so, you know, I talked to Brian about it and I'm like, you know, have you ever, and, and you know, and he's like, what's the point of that? Like, what's the point of Okay, so we're not PR. You know, we're not public relations. So there's, you know, there's that misunderstanding too where some people think that the whole point of, you know, come to the show, we need people to like buy our album kind of thing. And very rarely I get that. Like we want, you know, are you going to come? You know, you guys you know, should be coming to this because people need to need to hear this. And and, and I, I always take that as just, you know, like some people, it's just their enthusiasm for like, you know, they want people to hear their record. They want people to come to their show. Um, but we don't, you know, there's there's the two ends of it. We don't do PR. We're not just out there to write, you know, like, hey, this is great. You know, I think there's the journalism part of it where we're reporting on what's going on in the scene and keeping a record of it. And I think that's important. You know, the kind of like what you're doing here, you're getting, you know, stories from people of what happened, how they got into it, where they're going, you know, so it's a record of, you know, it's a part of history. Um, so I think that's at, at, you know, it's, you know, core. I think that's what arts journalism is, is keeping a record of what happened like like other forms of journalism, but just in the arts. Um, the critical part of it, I think that you can be, I think that you can be critical. Brian's very good about that with, with, um, with uh, like a lot of the theater writing, which I don't do. I tend to do music, events, um, writing movies. I don't do the visual, I don't do visual arts or theater. He tends to do that. Um, and he has had some where, where he's critical, but he's not, mean and I think there I know when I taught my class um, I taught at a, a ACA Educational Center for the Arts and on uh, New Haven and um, Arts High School um, and I really tried to get across to the kids that you know critical always doesn't mean bad you know you can you can talk about the fine points of a song of an album of a performer of a performance and not be and not it doesn't have to be negative or mean there's you're you're describing it you're you're diving into it you know and then there's that well you know if you don't if you don't play music how can you write about music well I'm a poet I can write about anything <laughs> I don't have to know about something it's my interpretation of it 
So similar to, you know, Mary Oliver didn't have to be a botanist to write about the trees and the plants that she saw. She wrote beautifully about them. And I think that a person can write beautifully about music and visual arts and performers without being a performer. Totally. And that example exists so many places. Mm. Um, you know, along those lines, I mean, there, things are opening up a bit now with certain zines and maybe some certain republications, but were you surprised that, I mean, it just seemed like, you know, New Haven independent was the only arts coverage for a while in that region. Um, well, there's been, um, there's also the arts paper. Yes, of course. Um, that, you know, that does a lot and they are, I mean, but that's all they do. You know what I mean? So as opposed to the independent, so arts coverage is a part of the independent. And then you have the arts paper, which is all that, you know, you have the daily nutmeg, you know, who, who again is everything. Um, and I think there's always been people who like, there's always been blogs. There's always been, um, you know, with Instagram, a lot of people started going on Instagram and doing some different things. Um, so I think, I think it's always been there and it kind of, in, in my time around, it's been there and it ebbs and flows. I think what's happened though, since COVID is that just a lot of people are doing things that they always wanted to do. And there's a lot of people um, have always wanted to like write or take or, or, you know, write about the arts or just write in general and, or, or make, you know, books or make, you know, so zines are great for that, you know? So now you have these zines come out. So you have these people come out with these music zines or, you know, a new Haven based, you know, there's been some, a couple um, that I've written about, um, you know, they just want, you know, they're excited about the scene and they want more people to get excited about it too. So I think it's like this, it's this collective, um, a lot of the people I interviewed during COVID. So we did a lot of interviews during COVID that were, you know, um, done over zoom or FaceTime or, you know, cause no, obviously nobody, you know, things were locked down and we still wanted to, and people were making records, you know, or finding, um, finding music they hadn't worked on in a long time and saying, Hey, I'm locked up in my house. Let me pull out these recordings and see what I could do with them. And the thing that I heard over and over again was like, I always wanted to do this, but I didn't have the time. And I think what one of the, you know, I'm not saying, Oh, I'm glad COVID happened. But I think one of the good things that happened during COVID is a lot of people put time into things they didn't have time for before. And I think the other thing is that it made a lot of people say, you know what? I always wanted to do this thing and I'm going to do it. I'm going to make time to do it. So as we crawled out of <laughs> lockdown and things started opening and people started deciding what they didn't, didn't want to put their time into. That's one of the things that happened. And I think it's great. You know what I mean? Like I don't look at it like, like any type of the, I, I look at it as actually like a more the merrier thing. You know, um, we have, there's a thing now with the independent called the independent review crew and they have uh, people reporting from not just, um, other towns in Connecticut, but other cities all over the country, you know, and, and it's great to hear about what's going on in Tulsa and in Boston 
and in Hartford, you know, it's great. I love it. I love that, you know, because it, again, every, you know, everywhere is a, is a music community, you know, Tulsa has to have a music community, you know, um, what are they doing? You know, and there's always stuff you're going to, there's always stuff you're going to miss. There's so much going on. I mean, we just started looking at what we're going to be doing for September. There's no, there's no way anybody can cover it all. It's impossible. However, there's, there's more people looking at it and going to it, you know, then there's more people to spread the word and maybe more people will come to it. And it just, that, that nice little life cycle there. Could you give us a um, KP crash course? You know, what what has <laughs> to be done when you're covering a show? Hmm. Well, I prep. There's always prep. So if it's if it's a band that I know, it's I there's less prep. If it's a if it's a band I don't know or if it's something going on that I'm not familiar with, people involved, I research that. Um and then at the show, you know, we got to get your got to get your equipment ready, of course. Make sure your your, your batteries are charged and you got your pens. Always make sure I have 3 pens all the time. Not two, three. Remember that. If you are, ever do any reporting, bring three pens. Um, you'll, you'll thank me for that later on in, in life, in your life, in your career. Um, but yeah, you, uh, then you go and you pay attention. It sounds really like, it sounds like I'm being really flip, but you pay attention to, it's not just about the show, it's about the place and it's about the people. So you pay attention to everything that's going on. Um, if it's something where you have to talk to somebody, you find that person and you make sure you talk to them. You can talk to them at a time that's good for them. So it's, sometimes it's not really good to talk to somebody before they go on stage, right before they go on stage or right after they come off the stage. That, that tends to be one of the worst times, but, um, for some people. So you, you try to see if you can do, you know, talk to them and be like, Hey, when can we talk if you need to do that? But otherwise, it's mostly like if, if it's just covering like a like a bands, it's mostly just, you know, laying back and paying attention and um, listening and watching and taking a lot, taking like uh, hundreds of pictures. And <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's what you do. And if it's something that's more involved where you're um, it's an event, more of an event where you have to talk to people. You find out when it's okay. Can, is it okay to talk to you now? Or you look busy. Can I catch you in like maybe like 15 minutes or something? You know, and you, and you, and you do that and you kind of, and you're still paying attention, but you, you need a little more of a, of a, um, uh, guidelines plotting to when you can talk to this one and that one and everything. Cause I don't like being too intrusive. That's me. Like, I don't like to be the person who's, like, asking a lot at inopportune moments. Um, I know I know enough about performers to know that, you know, not everybody feels great. You know, not everybody has the exact same time when they feel good about talking to you or being around people. So, um, you know, and I know that, too, as somebody who's performed. It's like sometimes, you know, beforehand's not not good and sometimes after it's not good but yeah it's a the the core of it is paying attention um any favorite pieces come to mind 
I really like the one I just did. <laughs> I know maybe that's the easy way out, but that big fat combo one was so, I was so happy that I was there. So happy that I was there. I mean, that's a show I may have gone to anyway if I wasn't working because they're just great. They're just great. Um, and I, um, I had major surgery last year in the summer and I missed a lot. Um, I was probably did not go to shows for like three months or something like that pre because I was trying to not get COVID before the surgery. And then afterwards, just cause I couldn't, um, and I couldn't wait to get back. I really couldn't wait to get back. Um, but there's some there's some shows that you like you really like you really like even if you're not reporting on them like that I like to go to because they're they're fun. But that one was that one was great. Um, I really um, I really was super happy to write about when Never Ending Books was closing, which ended up not closing, and. Um, I think I know I know for I know that like part of what happened there and how things got going was people finding out about what was happening and then kind of rallying so and in no way am I saying like oh I I was the reason why that happened and I'm not but I I really loved how that article like so many people just loved that place and were like shared their you know memories and were like so like rooting for that place and then you know it ended up being that so many people were rooting for that place that some of those people who were rooting for it took it over and now it's still there and it's volume two and it's like thriving and amazing and every time I go there I'm just like so happy to that it's there and exists so I was really happy I really felt good about doing that because Roger that was an important place for me to be um that was a really important place uh, for me to grow and into who I am attending shows at that place. That's another real, um, like cafe nine. It's a real hub of, uh, of, um, community in new Haven. It's just so much, so much happens there. So many different things happen there. Um, yeah, those, those two stand out. There's so many, there's so many. It's really, uh, I, I also was really, um, I also really loved the, the um, anniversary of the local band show at Cafe Nine. Um, I got to talk to Rick Allison and Frank Critelli, um, and you know the tribute to you know James Velvet, who's no longer with us, and all the bands that played there. There were so many people there that day, and um, that's another one that I'm really glad that I was there and got to record that for um, for history. For there's like it's a, there's a concrete record of that event and video of it and pictures and talking to people. And I'm, I think that's important because that's an important show in the uh, local music community. Uh, I would be remiss to not open up the discussion to say that, um, unfortunately, you know, music and media still dominated by uh, men. And, you know, for you to talk about that, sometimes I ask, you know, people, what's it like to be a woman? But, you know, now it's, it's, I think it's, what is it like to be non-male, you know, uh, because we're trying to open things up. We're trying to make it an equal playing field. Uh, yeah, you know, again, I, I don't, um, I have no experience in any other 
part of the music business or arts world, except this one that, that I've been in. Um, and I will, I, I've already mentioned that when I first started, there were a lot of people that are like, you're writing about music. And, <laughs> and, and, and it was, it was enough, you know, it was enough. That it it kind of, it makes me laugh now. It, it made me laugh then. Um, I think that, I think that it's, I, I don't want to look in terms of better or worse or good or bad. Um, I think that for me personally, I, I think that I want to always be contributing and to look at it in terms of like, oh, you're a woman contributing. Like, okay, I, I am, but also like, you know, are you, if you're judging me from that, you know, I, I, I get kind of, I get kind of weird with that sometimes when people start getting diving into that, because it always seems to be for some reason that doesn't really matter in the, in the course of it. You know, I, I know that, um, I know that to, to, to decide that, you know, like, Oh, I can, I can do this and that Oh, you're doing this or you do this well. And they don't say for a woman, but it's implied kind of thing. Um, I don't get that. I don't get that like I used to. And I don't know if that's because I've been doing it for the amount of time I have. I can't, you know, I can't speak for what other people think and what other people, um, how other people feel. I know that, I know that for me, when I have people, um, say to me, like, I'm so glad to see a woman writing, or I'm so glad to see a woman on this panel, or I'm so glad to hear a woman's voice in this area I'm happy that I can do that um you know I'm, I'm gonna do you know listen I'm <laughs> you know I'm in my mid-50s I grew up like you know like Italian Catholic you know like women were were you know not treated well in in the old days for for me either it wasn't like a you know I was you know I was kind of you know raised in a in a you know, I was raised in a very loving family, but the, but the mindset back then was you were, you know, you, you didn't, you know, you didn't speak unless you were spoken to kind of thing. And I needed to chill out and, you know, calm down and, and, um, you know, women are, you know, emotional, don't get emotional, don't cry, don't this, don't that. Um, what I love about this job is that, um, I'm, my enthusiasm and my, passion about music and about the art scene and the music scene is seen as a plus you know as opposed to like chill out you know there's that thing you know like women are emotional you know I you know I had somebody say to me um, uh, probably more recently than wasn't like when I was first out, they said something to me like, do you just love everything you do? Like you just like, you just seem like you just love everything you do. And they said it like almost like in a negative way. And I'm like, well, yeah, kind of. I'm like, and why, why is that a bad thing? They're like, oh no, no, I didn't mean it. I just never, I'm like, what, you never saw anybody enjoy what they do? How sad, like, (laughs) you know, is that, you know, and I was waiting for like, I was kind of waiting for that, like, um, you know, you're so emotional thing to come out and it didn't again, I felt like it was being a little bit implied, but I'm, 
I will tell you, if nothing else, um, this this job has given me like a confidence and strength that I definitely didn't have when I was younger. Um, I absolutely love what I do, and I know that um, I know that I would not be they would have not had me continue doing it if I wasn't good at it, if I wasn't doing it well. Um, so I have that confidence behind me from, you know, some of the, again, these are some of the writers that I, that I love, like again, Paul Bass and Brian, excuse me, are the ones that, um, led me through this in, in, in the beginning and that, you know, and, and Brian still leads me through it as my editor. I couldn't be, I couldn't have a better editor. And it's just, you know, to be able to be rewarded for what doing what you love and to get excited and I couldn't again I couldn't wait to tell I was texting him about the show the other night and I go back to this big fat combo show I was texting him like oh my god I'm like wait till you read this I can't wait to write this piece I cannot wait to write this piece I can't wait for you to read this piece and then he read it and he's like oh my god this piece He's like, this is, this is incredible. This is like one of my favorite things you've ever written. I'm like, I know, me too. And like, who, who talks like that? Like, I'm thinking like, do other people talk like that? Maybe they do, but that's, you know, it's not, it's not about, um, it's not like, you know, you know, chill out, be more professional or anything like that. It's like, no, my passion and my emotion and the thing that like a lot of, you know, times women are criticized and, you know, dampened or are asked to dampen it's the it's the opposite in this job and that's been really good for me as a writer and as a as a person i think mm-hmm. uh, your radio show on cygnus yeah i haven't done that now and and um it's probably i don't think i've done it since the beginning of last year the stuff that the medical stuff i was going through was kind of started it and then i just kind of didn't get back to it um it's something else i did that i really Frank Critelli said he um, he's like I always wanted a show. Would you ever want to do like a poetry show, radio show? I've always wanted somebody to do something like that. And again, I said yes because I didn't think anyone ever asked me to do that. And a radio again sounded like you know another like dream come true. And it was great. I was reading my own poetry every so often. I'd have somebody you know, Frank's poetry and um, other musicians that that also do poetry like Brian Robinson. Um, on there and and you know read some you know some other famous poets pieces and stuff and then try to make it like a theme um it was a lot of fun and i and i didn't only play local music it wasn't like a local band show i of course played local music because i have you know i had such a wealth of it around me and people would give me their you know cds and you know send me their files and things like that and it's Um, good (laughs) well you know that's and that's another thing I would sometimes play that and I'd have people be like, like, who was that? You know, and I would always post on social media after like, you know, this is my playlist. These are the people. And they'd be like, like, oh, that's like, that's like not somebody famous. And they'd be like, well, they're famous around here. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, this is like really, again, it's the caliber of music we have and performers are just, again, top notch again i'm I'm preaching to the choir with you in particular but um but yeah i had a lot i did have a lot of fun doing it i have a fun doing it i don't know if i'm gonna go back to it um but it's it was it was super important part of all of this of all of the the whole uh this whole part of my life that's for sure and i love i mean 
you can't, you know, you can't get better people that are there. I mean, and I like Rick Allison is just amazing and would have me on his show every Friday and uh, that every on his show every Friday before my show and and uh, you know like Frank Critelli kind of asking me to you know him asking me to do it and always supporting me like really everybody on there is great but in particular Rick and uh, and Frank are really just like you know would would help me along give me praise encourage me and then after I'd be like oh my god like Rick Allison like He's a legend. You know, there a, a lot of this story I didn't know, but this this guy keep having this like it's like you fell down the rabbit hole, you know, and and I feel like your life was kind of changed by this Tim Goslin band. <laughs> oh, listen, and and you want to hear something else? So the very so we'll bring t- we'll bring Tim in. I love Tim. I'll bring Tim into it again. So. I'm at bar bar in New Haven used to have these went free Wednesday night shows and the band no line North was opening for Jesse Mallon and I went to see them and Tim uh, happened to be playing with them that night. Brian Slattery was too, my editor. So now I'm in there with no line North and we're just hanging and talking and talking. And the next day is when Brian was like, Hey, after talking to me so much you know that was the most i ever talked to him in person that's when he asked me to do the job now gets better so he's like well you know look around see if there's anything you want to go to so i'm like well i'm going to this another one of these wednesday shows at bar when tim goslin's new band is playing (laughs) and (laughs) and so he's like well that's the first one you can write about so they were opening for a band from new york and and yes, I walk in and I'm like, Tim, I said, I have, he goes, don't tell me, we're not going to tell anybody you're doing it yet. It's going to, when you, we publish the article, it'll be a surprise. I'm like, I won't. so I told a couple of close friends, but I'm like, Tim, guess what? And he's like, why? Well, I said, I have good news and bad news. And he's like, what? And I said, I'm, I'm going to be writing for the, um, about, you know, music and arts for the independent. And he's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Congratulations. You're going to be great. I go, the bad news is tonight's my first story. I'm writing about you. And he's like, oh no. Um, and laughing. So, yeah. So Tim was there when Brian and I had made more of a connection and I got, and he offered me the job. And then Tim's, Tim was the first, first, his man, his other man was the, one of the first, was the first thing I wrote about. So he keeps, he's my little. But could you, or would you want to imagine a life without, you know, your involvement in? No, never, never. This is. So having the surgery between COVID and then having major surgery last year, you know, again, I'm one of those people who sat around and was like, what do I want to do? What do I not want to do? How do I want to live my life? You know, you come to some, you know, a lot of people had their little, you know, come to Jesus moment. And, um, yeah. And I'm I'm not trying to be dramatic, um, at all, but I think it's important that if you have, the ability to do to do something that you love to do it you know and listen I've talked to a lot of people who are like you know well you know that's that's a privilege and I'm like I never said it wasn't you know I never said it wasn't a privilege but I but I want to embrace that you know I was given a gift and again 
I say it, you know, I, I know for a fact that Paul and Brian wouldn't have kept me on if I wasn't doing a good job. You know, they're very high caliber writers. They're not going to keep me there if I wasn't doing it. So I know that what I'm doing, I know, I know myself reading my own articles. I know that I, that what I'm doing, I'm doing well. Um, and I can always improve. Writing is like that. Writing is, you know, anything creative, you can always do better, you know, so I challenge myself with different articles, different things, but oh my God, like I, I, I want to spend the rest of my life here doing things that I absolutely love. I don't want to do anything that I feel like somebody is forcing me to do if I don't have to, you know, again, is it a privilege? Yes. And I embrace, I am, I embrace that. And I hope that I can, I hope that what I do, that people love it and that they, um, that it makes them want to listen to more music, that it makes them want to go to shows, that it makes them want to have fun. Like, I think you, like, how can you, I don't, I can't imagine not having that in my life again. I had a wonderful life before I did this. You know, I have two, like, my two kids are fantastic. They support me in everything. I have a wonderful husband. He supports me in everything. Um, they're like my biggest, yeah, my biggest fans. They cheer me on and support me in everything. Um, but if I can keep doing, and I don't know, am I always going to write for the, for the independent? I don't know. I don't care. Right now, I love what I do and I want to do it. And I want to stay doing it and I want to keep doing it well. I still pour over my... You know, the other night that that article came out of me like, like it flowed out like silk. It was such a beautiful story and I had everything there. I'm like, oh my God, I got the videos I wanted. This is so great. And I still like poured over it because I want it to be just right. And that's before it sees two other editors. That's how much I love it. I want it to just, I never take it for, I will never take for granted the gift I was given because I think of that. You know, I think of that 13-year-old girl on that little bed in East Haven with her, you know, blank cassettes and her marker and her piece of paper. I still have the stuff. I could show it to you. I have cassettes and papers with lists and I the little O, little O dot on my eye. It's like crazy that I, it's crazy that that girl is doing this now. If anyone ever told me then, Karen, guess what you're going to be doing when you're like 50? I would have told them never nope liar 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 so yeah i've if if the worst thing anybody says about me is oh my god she's just she's like so happy all the time she's enjoying everything oh well (laughs) and you come enjoy it with me it's all i'm gonna say is come you do it too let's do come on come down i'll meet you there yeah that's what god it's just if did we did we not learn life is so short like just have a good time and do things that make you smile and that bring like fill your heart. Oh, so wonderful.